That's it. The rebels are there. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course, they're there. <laughs> so I like the idea that actually a probe droid is actually a like a. And there be the rebels are over here. The rebels are over here. Welcome to part two of the Too Much Time When I Had a Podcast. I have no idea why I said it like that. Um, so, we are we completed the Choose Your Own Adventure book last week, The Fellowship of Four. Well, when I say completed, we died. Um, so, we are on to a different one this week, and I'm going to let Tom take over here. My friends, we're about to embark on an adventure. Can't wait. Uh, a long, long time ago, in a fantasy setting... Many, many years ago. Uh, 1986, this adventure mm. book was published. Wow. This is Steve Jackson's The Riddling Reaver, mm. which was a sort of beginner's, um, uh, a beginner's kind of dungeon mastery kind of adventure book, um, which is billed as four thrilling role-playing adventures for fighting fantasy gamers, exclamation <laughs> mark. So you know it's good. It means business. It means business. Mm. Steve Jackson's The Riddling Reaver... <laughs> Act 1, The Curse of Calamere. You have been trekking across Alancia in search of excitement and adventure, and above all, treasure. Forsaking the western shores, you headed south and came to the land of Calamere, which is ruled by the noble house of Rangor. Compared to the hardships you faced on the journey, Calamere promises comfort and rich pickings. Judged by the rounded bellies of the traders you have passed on the road, business must be good around here. <laughs> After two months' solid travelling, interrupted only by the occasional skirmish with beasts and bandits, not thumb bandits, you have caught, <laughs> you have caught the scent of the sea in the wind. <laughs> That's the porcupine ragu you had last night. <laughs> the road broadens as it approaches the town of Calamere, and you see its famous tower looming majestically in the distance. <laughs> As you draw near the town, you catch sight of the sprawling collection of buildings which huddle beneath the tower. The twisting architecture is strange to your northern eyes. It seems to have no order to it. You wonder how on earth people can live in such chaotic squalor. An imposing pair of gates looms before you. Strangely, no guards seem to be around, and the gates are open. You can make out just the faint sound of shouting from the other side of the town, but the houses block your vision. And you cannot see what the commotion is all about. As you stand in the gateway, you hear thumping from the gatehouse to your left. Someone seems to be trying to attract your attention. In the name of charity, let me out! A tiny voice implores. Surely I, one of the Baron Bluestone's most loyal subjects, should have the right to witness his struggle. Let me out! Edging closer, <laughs> you see a man's gaunt face pressed against the door's grill. <laughs> Manacled hands grip the bars and tears stain his grubby face. He does not look much like a loyal citizen to you and he has almost certainly been locked in the gatehouse for a good reason. There are no keys nearby. Abandoning to his fate, that's a bit harsh, you hurry toward the sound of the crowd which gets louder as you get closer. <laughs> which is how sound works. <laughs> <laughs> Carts sit unattended, stalls unguarded and livestock runs free. Minutes after leaving the gate, you arrive at the central square, the scene of the commotion. 
Packed into the square is a vast crowd. Surely the entire population of Calamere, apart from the wretch in the gatehouse, exclamation mark. Each pair of eyes is fixed on the top of the tower, where a spindly figure is struggling to free himself from the clutches of a short-robed man, who in turn is trying to force the other off the edge of the balcony. The spindly man is teetering on the edge. With every twist and turn, the onlookers gasp ever louder. The tension is unbearable. <laughs> now we introduce our players for this evening. Uh, okay, I'm definitely not George Lucas. I am, in fact, Adam Driver. You might know me from the film Star Wars, The Force Awakens, where I play Ben or Kylo Ren. Hello, my name is Andrew. I'm from a village west of here. Nice to meet you, Andrew. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I used to work as a shepherd. I spend my days counting sheep. <laughs> I'd begin. One. <laughs> two. Three. Sometimes four. <laughs> Usually, we finish at 47. And do you know what I would do at 47? I'd start again. Cool. So that's <laughs> right, yes. Uh, and uh, I'm Phil Finnemans, uh back... Uh, from my uh, recent undead struggle uh, and I am uh, very pleased to be a part of this crowd uh, and uh, of these adventurers today. Hello Phil. Hello. Hi, Phil. Uh, hello. Would yes. you like to hear my story? No, no I, think, I think we should get on with the uh, adventure. Oh. Um, uh, Andrew. <laughs> Is it Andrew? Yes, yeah, Andrew. That's right. Yes, thank you Andrew. Nice to meet you guys. The scenario begins with the players arriving at Rangor Tower, pride of the wealthy merchant lords of Calamere, just in time to witness the Baron's last moments. Having failed to prevent his death, the players will now become embroiled in its aftermath. Scene one, Tower Trouble. Uh, I'm just gonna show you a picture of the tower scene as it is, so you can see. What it is we're up against. Okay, got a good look. Yeah, the tower is covered with vines. Oh, vines! Vines. Um, And there are people trying to hammer the door down. And the Baron obviously is being is in his fight at the moment. Looks like some serious shit's going down at the top. Yeah, it looks looks a bit like there's a Barney going on up the top there. Okay, you are in the throng of townspeople struggling to avoid being crushed against the sea wall. People are shrieking in disbelief, and pandemonium reigns. You'll guess that it is the Baron up there fighting for his life. But why? Nobody seems able to do anything. Guardsmen are pounding in vain on the mighty oaken doors of the tower. The crowd just stands and stares. The sea crashes against vicious rocks at the foot of the cliff below the tower. Now is your chance to demonstrate your heroism. Can you save the Baron? But how will you reach him? It is now up to the adventurers to decide how they will reach the top of the tower. This reminds me of a time where I would climb trees as a youth. I would grab the branches, 
First, the lowest branch. Then I would grab the next highest branch. And very slowly, I would make my way to the top of the tree. Hello. Yep. Is this really the gig you got me? (laughs) Yep. No, I can't do this. Okay, fine. You got any ideas? Yeah, well, I think I think brevity and yeah. uh, a quick pace is uh, is 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 what we need right now. So we're going to really need to think about how we're going to get to the top of this damn tower. This reminds me of a time <laughs> when I was in a crisis with my sheep. <laughs> my sheep. <laughs> I counted all the way through to forty-six sheep. And I couldn't find the 47th sheep. Oh. Okay, so I, I really think we're going to have to find... I think we're going to have to think of a way... What are we going to do, okay? Can we, um, let's have a look at the tower. Can we climb the vines? I think that would probably be quite a good idea. Like, I, I got the inspiration from Andrew here. Well, yes. That was what I was saying the whole time. The adventurers scale the walls by means of its ivy covering... However, the vines are treacherous. They only manage to get halfway up the tower before the vines start creaking under the weight of Adam Driver's ego. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Move to location two. You grasp... (laughs) Fuck. We did already. (laughs) (laughs) As the vines begin to give way... You grasp at the last strands of ivy and finish your climb. You have only a moment before the vines give way and you leap through the nearest available window. You can hear the crowd below gasping at your bravery. But it is a long way to the top of the tower. They're so brave. The adventurers topple through the window. The walls of the room they find themselves in seem to be made of silvered metal and have been polished until they are almost perfectly reflective. I can see myself in this. <laughs> Wonderful. The effect of being in a circular room with mirrored walls is eerie, to say the least. The room has larger windows than those of the floors below and above. In brackets, meaning there's more locations, so decide where you want to go afterwards. Okay. Um, and it soon becomes obvious that this room serves as the tower's beacon. The source of the light is a large, fiery being held securely in a cage in the centre of the room. The cage, half of which is barred and half-walled, stands on a podium which revolves slowly, slower than Andrew talks. (laughs) The light from the creature dazzles you, and you cannot look at it directly. The adventurers are thankful, then, that it is safely imprisoned behind magically enchanted bars. Stationed at regular intervals around the room are half a dozen pails of water. As the last of you steps into the room, the door of the cage ominously swings open. Someone has been careless. <laughs> Someone... <laughs> Someone has been careless with their locking of the cage. It is now up to the adventurers to decide what to do as the devlin, the fire creature, advances on them. This reminds me of time... <laughs> I left the stable door open, and all the sheep escaped. Is that oh, oh, that's it's a good story. It's okay. a good thing this thing is pacing slowly towards <laughs> us, ominously and slowly, building dread. I, I, I really think we should act quickly. Um, it looks I, like uh, someone 
left them without a clare. Yes. Yeah. yeah they've been clareless. Yeah. Yes. That man looks like he's gone on fire. Maybe we should put him out with the water. Is there water? Okay, yeah, do that in the end. The adventurers choose. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> the adventurers have chosen wisely. The Devlin is a fire creature with magical beginnings. The water douses its eerie flame. There are sparks and speckles as it dissolves into nothing. The adventurers have put out the beacon. The ships in the forecourt—sorry, the ships in the harbour will not be well served by a beaconless tower. But for now, the Baron's fate remains in the balance. <laughs> it actually says here: players who do not think to use the pails of water do not deserve to escape this room. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Having doused the Devlin and making the room safe, the adventurers are now free to leave the room and explore the rest of the tower, should they wish. And I will find you I'm a quite map happy of here. the tower. Where's? I will find you a map of the tower so you can see what we're looking at. There was a map of the tower actually somewhere. I can't remember where it's gone. Hang on. There. Okay. Okay, so we've been in room five, which is at the top here. There is room three, room four, and room six, which is the top of the tower. Are we not in a hurry to get to the Baron? Uh, we are, but if we if we if we want to go into the other places, thinking that the struggle might last, we can easily use the other things if not there's another act that will take about a short amount of time to get oh okay so we should go into we should go into the other places I mean at the moment you're you're in room 5 so it's only a it's only a short hop down the stairs or something like that I think we should explore the tower a bit then (laughs) (laughs) okay sorry do you want to should we set something up I really think maybe we should take the time to just have a quick look around, just to make sure we haven't missed anything. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. Yes! <laughs> As the adventurers make their way through the tower, they come to another room. Beyond the shattered remains of my once mighty doors is a short passage leading to a chamber in the tower up the stairs towards its top. The chamber is sparsely furnished with a rough wooden table and only a few simple chairs. Hanging against the walls are various cooking utensils for some reason and sides of meat for other reasons. On the other side of the room, there is a large fireplace with a chimney breast. <laughs> chimney breast. <laughs> Around the walls of the room, a spiral staircase ascends to a trapdoor in the high arched ceiling. Sitting on one of the chairs is a beautiful woman. She is bound with an expression of utmost horror on her face. Perched on her head is a large glass jar. Swarming in the jar are at least a dozen dozen tarantulas, hairy spiders. The slightest movement will bring the jar crashing to the floor, releasing its deadly contents. The adventurers must act quickly. This woman is Lady Carolina, the young wife of Baron Bluestone himself. She has managed to remain perfectly still despite her terror, but now, with help at hand, she is wavering. Suddenly her nerve breaks, and the faintest tremor passes through her. It is enough. The jar falls into her lap, 
and then drops to the stone floor, but it is still intact. As the adventurers watch, it rolls lazily towards the table, strikes a leg, and shatters. The adventurers <laughs> must act fast. Hello! Oh. Are you a lady? Uh, well, there's bloody tarantulas all over the place. Um, 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 have we got any pots or anything we could put on top of the tarantulas? Oh, there's quite a lot of utensils, actually, yes, and some of them are saucepans. Well, maybe we should put the pots on the tarantulas. I like her. <laughs> I want to rescue the lady. The adventurers throw the pots onto the floor. It covers a few of them, but the tarantulas are still moving around in crazy, crazy circles. <laughs> crazy circles? <laughs> what will you do? Um. Have we all got feet? Have we yeah. all got feet? Stamp on them. Stamp on the bastards. Okay, we'll stamp on the tarantulas. This reminds me of a time when we were making wine. We had to stamp on the grapes to make the wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Having dispatched the tarantulas, the adventurers now turn their attention to Lady Carolina. What will you do? Hello. Ignore him. My name's Andrew. Ignore him. I met a lady once. Well, I didn't meet her. Oh, traitor. I knew there was more to that little rat of a soothsayer. What will the adventurers do next? Will they inform her of her husband's demise? Um, lady, um, we got some bad news. Your husband, he's, uh, is he still hanging on on the edge of the thing, or is he dropping, dropped? Who knows, I think he's been dropped. Oh, it looks like he's, he's, um, is he quite springy? (laughs) Say if he was to hit the ground from a great height, would that, would that hurt him? She sees through your words. Her, the news of her husband's plight has led her to fall into a deep faint. Can someone do a fainting noise? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Carolina lies strewn on the floor. The adventurers must decide. Carry her with them or leave her and get her later. Would they want get her later? <laughs> <laughs> Well, now I'm slightly worried about our intentions for the, for the lady. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, I think we. Uh, I think maybe we should go see what's going on with the Baron. Mm, I've never touched a lady before. <laughs> I think we leave her there. Oh, the adventurers leave the lady on the floor and make their way up the trapdoor. The adventurers find themselves on the first floor, consisting of impressive living quarters adorned with rich tapestries and furniture. <laughs> the floor is littered with small scraps of paper. The room is gloomy, since the curtains are drawn and the only two candles shed a feeble, feeble light. On an opulent couch sits a man in the robes of a wizard. He sits quiet and still, and is apparently deep in thought, but he seems to be smiling broadly and cradles a box in his hands. What will the adventurers do next? Excuse me. There's a lady upstairs and she requires immediate medical attention. The person 
gives no answer. Um, hey, mister, my friend just asked you a question. What's in the box? The person gives no answer. What know. will the adventurers do? Well, it's a bit odd. I'm not really used to people not replying when I answer, uh, when I ask a question. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. People usually listen to my chat. Maybe you should go and prod him. Here's a picture. Oh. What should we do? Um, is he moving at all? The person is not moving. <laughs> at all. I, I think <laughs> we go and steal his box. <laughs> the adventurers wrest the box from his hands. It is a beautifully crafted piece of work made of interlocking sections of some very hard wood. <laughs> the adventurers peer closer and see that there is something etched in its surface. What will they do next? Can we read what it is etched on the surface? <laughs> the adventurers decide to use their eyes to read <laughs> the, the etchings on the surface. If you would see what I contain and maybe learn some news of game, solve this riddle, drop me in it, wait for the click, then pull me from it. I will be open, then you'll see the reason for this riddle me re. It trembles at each breath of air, and yet can heaviest burdens bear. It shows no mark when it is hit, and more, you're mostly made of it. What will the adventurers make of these strange etchings? Want me to again? Yeah. <laughs> if you would see what I contain, and maybe learn some news of game, solve this riddle, drop me in it, wait for the click, then pull me from it. I will be open, then you'll see, the reason for this riddle me re. This is the riddle. It trembles at each breath of air, and yet can heaviest burdens bear. It shows no mark when it is hit, and more, you're mostly made of it. Okay, I got that. It says water. Yeah. The adventurers deduce that the solution <laughs> to this riddle is water, and that the box must be immersed in water to be opened. The adventurers decide to take the box <laughs> and leave the room. By a short spiral staircase. Fresh air is felt wafting down the spiral staircase and the adventurers feel as though they may be reaching the summit of the tower. <laughs> the roof of the tower is made of rough flint stones. A tall flagpole in the centre flies the Baron's emblem. As you arrive, you'll catch a fleeting glimpse of Baron Bluestone, Bluestone, Blue, Bluestone, teetering <laughs> on the parapet of the tower, but then plummeting to the rocks below. His opponent turns slowly around, chuckling insanely to himself. When he sees you, he scampers over to the flagpole. He grips it firmly and spins effortly, effortlessly right up it to the top. <laughs> <laughs> His voluminous grey robe billows in the breeze and hides his features. He cackles at you. Ah, looks like we're a bit late, aren't we? He squeals. Oh, he squeals. <laughs> Your precious Baron's not much use now, is he? He had no sense of humour anyway. The, <laughs> the players have cornered the evildoer responsible for the Baron's death. 
but the riddling reaver, for it is he, will make good his escape in a dramatic fashion, unless the adventurers act fast. The adventurers must now decide what to do. Well, I want to pull out my lightsaber and chop the flagpole down. <laughs> that's actually really, that's a really good idea. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty much called that one. Not your lightsaber, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's really good. The sword strikes the pole, which suddenly starts to writhe and twist, transforming magically into a giant snake with its tail still firmly planted into the roof. <laughs> the snake will attack anyone who remains on the roof, but it will not follow the adventurers down the trapdoor. What will they do? Did we probably get down the trap <laughs> This is really like leading us by the hand, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It does get a lot better. Than this, 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 just an intro. Anyway. Okay, so. The adventurers huddle down the, the small trapdoor. As they... As the adventurers disappear down the trapdoor, a gasp wafts from the crowd below and a mighty shadow falls on the tower's summit. Hovering majestically, some twenty metres above, is a vast, marrow-shaped flying vessel. Beneath it hangs a small, luridly coloured gondola, from which trails a rope. So it's, so it's an airship. Basically. Uh, the reaver grasps this and pauses to hurl a parting shot to the scurrying adventurers. I do so hate goodbyes. Maybe we'll meet again. Or maybe not. <laughs> So saying, he pats the top of the flagpole and spins up the rope to the gondola. He is gone. <laughs> <laughs> However you have fared in the tower, the adventurers should be left with the mystery of the box to solve, which they've solved. <laughs> <clears throat> From, oh God, where is this? Oh, here we go. What will the adventurers do with the box? Well, I think we should head back down to the floor that's got the water and put it in the water. Yeah, that's probably quite a good idea, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right, well, we're all in agreement. The adventurers take the box down to the ocean and insert it the, and insert the box into the sea with a click. It opens. Inside is a parchment on which is written the following. I always believe in giving people a chance. After all, without chance there is no luck. And without either, where would I be? You can try to follow me if you want to avenge Bluestone's death. And I won't stop you. In fact, I'll provide the transport. But to pay your fare, you'll have to gather three trinkets and feed them to the god of the sea at Brian's Bluff. What's more, the trinkets aren't even hidden. All you'll have to do is solve my riddles to find in Calamere where they are. Ooh. I hope you're lucky, but then again, I hope you're unlucky. It's all the same to me. <laughs> what? Okay, so this is this is uh, because he's the riddling reaver. You got to work out what he's looking for, what okay. the three items are. Mm-hmm. So it's what am I? Where am I? Um, and you're going to find these later on. Okay, so we're going to need this for the next bit, but it's worth doing the riddles now. Okay. Okay. First one. <laughs> what am I? A white-winged fish that parts the waves, I ply the sparkling waste. 
I'm bound by ropes and pulled by cloth, lest merchants lose their haste. So, <clears throat> do it again. Is it really as simple as a boat? It's a boat. Okay. <laughs> you have guessed wisely. Your second item is this one. <laughs> My belly is round and bound with iron bonds. What I carry always raises a cheer. Murder have I not done, stolen not, cheated not, yet a peg is beaten into my head. The adventurers ponder. (laughs) (laughs) Do it again. My belly is round and bound with iron bonds. What I carry inside always raises a cheer. Murder have I not done, stolen not, cheated not, and yet a peg is beaten into my head. Something round with iron bounds mm. and a peg in the top. I think peg could be substituted for stopper. Ah, uh, like a bottle of wine or something. Like a... Very close. Um, brings a cheer. So is, it, is it like a cask of ale? Bang on. Yeah. The word. The, the item is indeed a cask. You have chosen... Wisely. (laughs) Finally, the third item. What am I? I've neither top nor bottom, yet I hold bone and skin. I hardly ever make a noise, and yet my name's a din. As in, mm, those neighbours of mine are making a din. Mm. Reading him. I've neither top nor bottom, yet I hold bone and skin. I hardly ever make a noise, and yet my name's a din. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's the porcupine ragu repeating on me. (laughs) That's a tough one. No top, no bottom. A name's another word for a din. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. a racket, a, a noise racket... I have no top nor bottom. I am merely topless and bottomless. <laughs> um, Yet I hold bone and skin. Uh, I was even waving my, no, <laughs> my hand like at you. Your hand, you're waving your hand. I've there. neither top nor bottom, yet I hold bone and skin. I hardly ever make a noise, and yet my name's a din. Ring. Ring. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you have finally chosen wisely. <laughs> the item is indeed a ring. Your task is simple. As you leave the tower... <laughs> Some of this stuff is written ridiculously. As you leave the tower, you know the three items that you must find in order to break the Riddler's curse. These three items, a ship, a cask and a ring, will have to be found. What's more, you're in luck. When you get into town, other riddles will be read that will tell you where in the town to find these items. This ends the first act. Do, 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 do.
the funny thing is, it doesn't really string a coherent story. It's just like you go from room to room and then you find yourself on there's the top. Riddle. And then you get attacked by a snake and there's a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is really beginner, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. Like, yeah. You get led, you literally like someone is holding on to your plonker, sort of going, it's this way, it's this way. <laughs> what would you like to do with the tarantulas? Well, to just stamp them. <laughs> stamp on them, cover them with pots. Um, I, I flick through, uh, as I do, um, the rest. What I'm going to do is I'm going to print out the maps. Okay. Um, uh, this map here, basically, of the town. Because oh, cool. this is where it starts to open up. Yeah, so yeah, actually yeah. you begin to choose where you go. And all the locations, these acts start getting bigger because there are massive amounts of options for each area, what you choose to do and things like that. Okay. But a lot of the ones, actually, as we get further on, require you guys to ask more questions of the surroundings. Can I put my penis on this block? You know, it's like, you could, but it's not a good idea. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so it's quite good. It's quite good. So I'll make sure you have those uh, when next we do this. But I've got to say, it's not a bad start to no, the story. Good. No, I thought it was good. Oh, that's good. There's, a, there's some riddles. It. There's a clear villain yes, here. Yes, yeah, the, the, the Riddling Reaver. The Riddling Reaver. Okay, so um, at this point, we're probably going to throw in uh, James Gurnalist. We've spoken to him earlier. You missed him again. Missed him? Yeah. He was here again? Yeah. But what am I... Where? <laughs> I don't understand this. this. You popped out, remember? Yeah, but I, he literally was just... I mean, I was having a poo. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was there though. He um was I that was I out that long? Yeah, he, he mentioned your people again. <laughs> My apparently, people. They're, they're paying him apparently. There's something weird going on here. He is, mm. yeah. He's getting more aggressive as well. Is he? Yeah. A bit unbalanced. A little bit, yeah. I I seem to remember someone by that name. Okay, well, but I, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you'll listen to this week's pod, won't you? Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, you'll probably hear his voice. You might recognise his voice. Oh, have a listen. Yeah, cool. Right, so we're going to throw it to Gurdlist here. So, enjoy that. Hi. I'm James Gurnlist, the Games Journalist's Games Journalist. Think of me as a cross between Han Solo and Lord Byron, but, you know, more about Games Journalism. I've spent the last 12 years intrepidly travelling from one end of the globe to the other to bring my audience the very best in untamed Games Journalism. I've written for websites like IGMM, Nataku, GamePots, Polywogglegon, and uh, magazines like uh, PC Gamering, PC Friendzoning, I Love Games A Lot Weekly Magazine, and Razzle. Anyway, enough about me. I'm uh, looking forward to starting my reviews on uh, Too Much Time in Our Hands podcast. <laughs> okay, um, and now, back again, it's James Gurnalist. Hello. Hi, fellas, how are we doing? <sighs> yeah, good, thanks. Good to see you back again. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sensing a bit of static in the room here. There's uh, some long, drawn-out sighs. Uh, you guys, you guys no, okay? No, we're all good. Just, just do it. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, Okay. great, so <clears throat> I'm a man of simple tastes I like the smell of a good steak The feel of a pair of cashmere boxer shorts Against my scrot <laughs> And I love the taste of a really good cigar Just like my dear old man Just spoke spoken all the time 
Smoking all the time. And that's why I bought Gears of War Ultimate Edition for the PC. Now, I've got a pretty good rig. And I thought to myself, James, treat yourself what to... What about the- your PC, though? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Derek, you are coming up with some absolutely super zingers tonight, mate. I'm ab- absolutely superb, absolutely top hole, but I swear to God, if you fucking talk about <laughs> me one more time, mate, okay? Oh, well, okay, anyway, sorry, sorry. So I've got a pretty good rig, and I thought to myself, James, treat yourself to the PC version, and it might look even more gorgeous than you are. But while I'm effortlessly handsome, this requires a lot of effort to make look handsome. It's one of those games that reveals the truth behind why PC games are grumpy. It's another big release that's not been ported properly, simple as that. You have to work so hard to get it to work without chugging, something I thought I'd actually achieved at one point until it started chugging again during one of the opening firefights. And this is in the first fucking level. Okay? <laughs> Back in the day, mate, I never, wa- I never minded doing this work. It was just part and parcel of being a PC gamer. You had to make concessions in graphics quality to play the game. But these days, with consoles creating a level hardware playing field, it all feels too much like hard work. <laughs> Look, I'm going to be straight with you and address the massive poo fly in the organic poos that I got from Waitrose uh, just earlier this morning. Okay, You can probably tell from my voice that I don't think it's much cop. My oaky timber is far too telling, which is why I could never be a horse whisperer, although I did whisper hoarsely in your mum's ear last night. <laughs> Check the forums, and it's clear that PC gamers have been clamouring for this version of the game, and I totally understand why. Gears of War, the original, is a classic. What's not to like about a bombastic shooter set in a dystopian world set against the backdrop of a war against a seemingly unstoppable race of aliens that are hideous, aside from all the cliché that I've just mentioned just now. But isn't it the developer's effort, all for nothing, if the players can't get the fucking thing running in the first place? (laughs) Why invest in the rig if the game isn't properly optimised for all the high-end kit that you've just spunked a monkey or more on? I mean, the PC version should have been the definitive version of it, with remade cutscenes, retextured environments, and just a fuckload of time and effort thrown at it to create the ultimate look, play, and feel, and music, and sound effects, and rumbles, and footsteps, and manly grunts. You've got to appreciate the effort, because the effort is what holds it all together. It's the effort that counts. The effort is all too clear, and there was obviously a lot of effort put in. And there was effort. But in my humble opinion, if they put all the effort in, they should have done it properly so our effort was being used to play the game, not make the game play. Mm. Do you see what I did there, guys? That was a, <laughs> quite a nice little turn of phrase, right? Who shut the fuck up. <laughs> and before you ask, yes, after some sweat and tears, if you do get it working, I'm sure it does look amazing. Now, James Gurnalist wipes a tear from his eye for us all because it should have been perfect. Instead, we get only a hint of what it should have been. Ultimate Edition. I mean, what a stupid fucking name to have chosen. This is not the Ultimate Edition. It's the one you own while they try to fix it. And it's a massive shame that that's the case. I get annoyed with this sort of thing, and you can probably tell. It's just another developer having to, and inverted inverted commas, look into it and release new drivers. And it should not be acceptable in this day and age. And yet it is. One, there's no mystery to look into. You rush it out the door. And two, fuck off with your drivers and patches. Release it right the first time. High-profile releases seem to just come burdened with flaws. Need I mention Arkham Knight? Need I mention Assassin's Creed Unity? Need I mention the Master Chief Collection, which was a piece of shit when it was first launched? And, you know, apart from some angry forum posts, we've got little to no power to actually hold developers to account. 
I mean, we usually get something, though. We get an apology, a statement, some wank DLC bonus that we never really wanted in the first place to sop our anger, and we always go, ah, oh, fair play. <laughs> they said they're sorry, and they gave us this selection of hats for our character to wear. <laughs> and we sit, and we play, and we struggle, and we convince ourselves that it's okay, but it's not. I paid money for a finished fucking game. I put in the effort required of me in this little transaction. They chose to make a game. They put in the effort. As I painstakingly mentioned, but they, they didn't finish it properly. I'm sick of feeling like a mug after getting all excited about a game, and we all should, but to flip the coin over and gawp at the other side like a fucking baboon, no one will be more disappointed than the developers with this sort of situation. I mean, they're the ones that get cut to pieces after a bad launch. They're the ones whose work gets ripped on, you know, and it must hurt. But anyway, it'll be fine soon. They'll sort it out like developers always do. It'll be worth trying to, you know, get it to work all over again, and... So, you know, the best advice I can give anyone thinking about buying it on the PC is wait a bit to buy it. Um, you know, this is pretty much the best review I can give the game right now, but at least it has some positivity in it. And that's it. I'm done. Excellent. Thanks, James. Have you finished? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, nice one, uh, fellas. Yeah. So what do you think? You know what I'm saying? What um, yeah. Um... It's in, it's in, I thought it was an improvement. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. definitely. You're right. Yeah. It was, um... Yeah. yeah. It's an inter- interesting take. Yeah, you do this for a living, do you? Yeah, mate. Yeah, but, uh, I've been doing it quite a while, actually. Oh, right. Yeah. Ah. Started local papers? Or? Yeah, local papers. Where, where was that? Uh, it was North Yorkshire. Cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, that's where I picked up the uh, strange accent. You know? Yeah, 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 sure. No problem. You, it's a bit weird. We're not paying him, are we? Yeah, that's... that's that, I mean, yeah, this seems to be a recurring thing for you guys. You, you, you keep asking me yeah. if... Uh, you know what the pay situation is, but I mean, this is your podcast. Yeah, and yeah. have you had a wage slip or like yeah, money I've had, through? I've had several now. I mean, this is this is what the third or fourth review I've done for you guys. Ah, we asked Tom and he didn't. Tom's not. He doesn't know who you are. No, well, see, Tom doesn't know who I am. He but, knows all of me. Oh, but Tom's, Tom's people. Tom's people know me. Like I said. Right. Okay. okay. Fine. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, if you're getting paid and we're not paying for it, then. Well, I'm pretty sure that the budget covers the seats. The seats. Yeah, that's that's what I, I've I've seen. It's the seats. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks, James. Yep. Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, you're welcome, we'll, fellas. Uh, See you next week, I'd imagine. See you next week. Yeah. I'll be here, whether you want it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, James. Right, so thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of days' time. Um, yeah, enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the riddling reaver. Uh, and we'll be back with Act one! Three. Act one! <laughs> we'll be back with part three of the podcast in a couple of days' time. Pip, pip. Pip, pip.